When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, we are uh, at a weird place for the Mets right now. The Mets had a, a series against the Phillies this weekend where they took three of four, one of which in spectacular fashion, and then dropped two games to the Yankees in the second half of the Subway Series. Now, panic is beginning to set in among Mets fans, and not just because they lost two to the Yankees. The Yankees are one of the best teams in baseball, even if they're in a bit of a skid right now. And I think if you had told most Mets fans that they would split the Subway Series with the Yankees earlier this season, they'd have been generally okay with that. Um, The problem is the fucking Braves won't stop losing. And so the Mets currently have a a one-and-a-half game over the Braves right now, and that is a very slim margin, and people are genuinely nervous about it i want to say a couple of things off the bat yes the mets should win the division yes we want the mets to win the division the mets are more than likely making the playoffs no matter what though so let's just let's just stay in that in that mindset for now the mets are likely making the playoffs and so not all will not be lost if the mets lose the division will it suck yes should they win the division absolutely but this is where we are um you know, the Mets are about to have four games against the Rockies, who are, um, checking notes, terrible. So that should help the Mets a little bit in this quest, especially as the Braves have uh, three games coming up with the um, Cardinals, who have won eight of their last ten. 
and have the uh, raging hot retiring Albert Pujols on the team. So I feel like things may go a little bit better the Mets way this uh, you know this weekend, but I understand why Mets fans are worried. As we've discussed ad nauseum on this show, after next week's Dodgers series, the Mets are basically in autopilot mode until the uh, until the end of the season. Schedule wise, in terms of difficulty of teams, you know, after the Dodgers, they have the Nationals, the Pirates, the Marlins, the Cubs, the Pirates, the Brewers, the A's, and the Marlins, and then ending the season with the Braves. So, I think we are approaching the end of this. But that doesn't make it any easier to sort of watch the Mets go from, I think it was a 14-game lead at one point, or an 11-game lead, I can't remember the exact, whatever it was, down to just a slim game and a half right now. So on the Panic City meter, where do you fall at the moment, my friend? Uh, Not too panicked. I think it probably helped that I, I was not able to watch the second game of the Subway Series. I think the combination of that rivalry and the fact that those games were close and that the Mets almost won, uh, certainly at least the second game, uh, they, they were right there and nearly did some good things in uh, in the ninth inning. But I think the combination of that and the Braves just uh, refusing to lose baseball games anymore, uh, that's, a, that's a recipe. If you had to pick two things to have happen at the same time, uh, I think those would be the top two for any Mets fan based on our experience over the yes. last couple or more decades. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think – I still think the Mets are going to win the division. I did have one friend who is not typically panicky at the end of the game on Tuesday night. Like, you know, I basically convinced that they were going to be stuck – with the wild card and, and not win the division. Um, and I, I get it. I get it. It's, it's very annoying. Uh, certainly after the Mets took four out of five from the Braves, it felt like there was an opportunity to kind of make the division easy. Uh, and, and the Mets had been on a really incredible tear themselves. Um, I think there were 17 and three over the course of 20 games, which included that four out of five of the Braves uh, earlier this month. It's not like they've been terrible, but I think they're, what, four and six in their last ten now, which is maybe the most subpar stretch of their season. And Yeah, it's certainly one of them. Uh, that, that's a, it's a nice luxury to have. I still think this team's going to win 100 games, and I don't know. Maybe the Braves maintain the pace that they're on right now um, over the last month or two. But I still think the Mets have a better team, and I, I think the Mets have a real opportunity here this weekend to sort of put a little more distance there. Uh, it helps a lot that the Cardinals are playing very well right now. Uh, and if there's one team that I feel like could break the Braves, or at least temporarily, it's the Cardinals, because their entire existence is about just, I don't know, not being beautiful in, <laughs> in, yeah, the, in, in important spots. Yeah, and the Cardinals also feel like the um, the more polished veteran version of Braves fans. Like they, they just seem like they're 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 
they're very similar in a lot of ways, uh, the Braves and the Cardinals, at least from my sort of limited perspective. I feel like those those teams are um, they both are like they both draft very well. They both have fucking asshole fans. Um, they both probably storm the Capitol. I'm just I'm being a dick now. But, you know, this is a uh, <laughs> uh, one Braves fan in particular uh, has been uh tormenting some amazing avenue folks on twitter so i'm particularly uh salty about this but. yeah i know that and that component of it is something that i think even cardinals fans maybe that's a more mature version of being a, a, a baseball fan of a team that mets fans don't like but uh the trolling by braves fans this year has definitely been pretty different from anything i can remember uh both on the site and, and on Twitter. And um, yeah, it'd be nice to not have to see that. Yes. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know why. What, what, like, all it is is finding more people to block or mute or ignore or yep, ban from exactly. Amazing Avenue's comment section. I just don't understand. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're all much younger than we are at this point. But I, I... maybe maybe we're just the old men yelling at clouds about this, right? But yeah, but I also yeah. feel like, and maybe there are Mets fans out there who do this. But I feel like Mets fans don't seek out Braves communities to taunt. Again, maybe I just don't know those Mets fans, but I've never seen a Mets fan do that. And so it's a uh, it's very strange to me that this would be a thing that like I don't know why you would waste your time doing that. But that's just me, I guess. I have friends and things to do, so maybe those folks don't have those things. <sighs> anyway, uh, I, I want to particularly talk about Sunday's game against the Phillies because, to me, it's amazing that Mets fans are as panicky as they are after two losses to the Yankees after one of the crazier Mets wins in recent memory. Um I was recapping the game, and it was a slog of a game to watch because it was long. There was a 46-minute rain delay in the middle of it, and it just started with horrible Mets starting pitching. And I, I want to give some love to Jose Buto. You know, guy was not on the depth chart to be a starter this year, got called up out of pure necessity, and had a really rough first inning where he had the first uh, five batters reached against him. Four of those first five batters scored. And generally, he looked absolutely lost in the first inning. And then he settled down a bit. And then he gave up another three-run home run. He gave two three-run three home runs to Alec Bohm. And it looked like the guy's career was just over. It looked like this was going to be one of those one start and you're forgotten things. And maybe it still is. But another sort of unheralded, unexpected uh, Mets prospect, Nate Fisher, I called the, uh, came out of the bullpen next and tossed three scoreless innings. I mean, he didn't look like Randy Johnson or Edwin Diaz or Tom Seaver or insert dominant pitcher here, but he was pitching to contact. He limited damage, and he genuinely saved that game for the Mets. Now, they had a number of comebacks. They had two Mark Hanna home runs. They had a Brandon Nimmo home run, which seemed like insurance, but actually wound up being the winning run of the game. Like there, It was a, it was an incredible game. For a nine-inning game, it was about as long and as arduous, but also in parts as exciting as possible. 
it was just a really it was it was showing that this team and specifically I think this team under Buck Showalter can do things that we haven't seen a Mets team do in a long time. I think most Mets teams of my lifetime that were down on that were down for nothing before them they came up to bat would have simply just given up that game and it would not have been a uh it would not have been even a uh, uh, i mean maybe it would have, it would have granted out a, a run or two but i i just i cannot remember a team that was this resilient was this um unfazed by a deficit it was a really beautiful thing for the team and to see this fan base do a total 180 on how the team is playing based on two very close games against a very good team just i i i don't really get that yeah yeah i'm right there with you on that um to uh reference the old song that they played when they one, the Mets just need to take care of business this weekend. Um, yes. That's that's really all they can do. Uh, I'm sure, even though things are still really good, I'm sure people are going to go into that Dodgers series at City Field next week uh, with doom and gloom, regardless of what happens over the next four games against the Rockies. Um, and, you know, the Mets and Dodgers split a four-game series earlier this year. The Mets and Yankees have split a four-game series. Uh, only the Astros, among baseball's very good teams, and the Mets are one of them, but only the Astros have really handed it to the Mets and, and uh, made it look like that wasn't competitive. You know? Yeah. Um, and even then, I would say, if we came down to facing the Astros in the World Series... Uh, I, I wouldn't go into assuming that the Mets are going to be swept. Right. But, yeah. That Dodgers series, and, and as you said a few minutes ago, you know, this is a this is a Mets schedule podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and with, with good reason, though. I mean, it, it stands out how, how much less challenging it is for them in September. I mean, they... And the Brewers are fading. Aside right, from yes. the series with the Braves on, on the last weekend of the season, not the last series, but the last weekend of the season, aside from that series, if the Brewers keep fading, they're not, after the Dodgers, they're, they're not playing anybody even close to a playoff spot, and the Brewers might be in that category Right. Yeah. by that time. But you're getting the, the Nationals six – oh, no, sorry – seven against the pirates uh the cubs the a's the marlins i mean teams that just aren't even close to to sniffing anything relevant um, right. I mean, the, the only corollary against that is that the brave schedule is not they're not they're not playing the astros and the dodgers in september either uh, they're playing the Mariners. They're playing the Mar the Rockies, the Marlins, and the A's are all bad. The Mariners and the Giants are not bad, but they're not great. Then they have seven out of ten against the Phillies, who I think the Phillies are still going to be in it at that point, and they're going to be fighting. I think that's going to be a very competitive series. 
Uh, but then they have six against the Nationals before the Mets. Right, right, yeah. So, you know, it, the, the the Braves are, are going to – the Mets have to do well in September because the Braves are going to do well in September. But the Mets have an easier schedule, so hopefully it won't be as much of a lift. I just cannot – I don't know if my 40-year-old heart can deal with the division being in play the last weekend of the season. Yeah, thankfully – and I know this might be uh, – sacrilegious as a Mets fan, but I, I might not have that great a sell service that weekend. <laughs> uh, it might save me uh, some stress. Hopefully, uh, there's still six games left in the season at that point, so, uh, you know, it would take some it would, know, yes, some yes. work between now and then to, to lock it up, but hopefully they go into that series where uh, let's say they have, they have, they're, they're four up in the, win, in the loss it, column. Yeah, 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 where the worst that can happen is that the Mets have to uh, beat the very, very bad Nationals uh, in their final series. And, and the Braves get the Marlins in their final one, too. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, let's see Let's see where things go. I think when the season started, we all thought the Mets could be good. And uh, the mood on opening day was probably greatly affected by the status of Jacob deGrom. And, and there was a bit of a Scherzer injury uh, question leading right up to opening day, right? Yes. And then he wound up having a different injury, and we, we got that experience of being without both of them, and and that turned out okay. So let's, I don't know, let's give the players on the roster a slight benefit of the doubt and, and uh, know that both of those guys are in the rotation right now. And Yes. I think things are going to be all right. And that I want them to win the division. Uh, you know, I don't want to, if it, like they're going to the playoffs, as you said. So that the worst case scenario is that they have to work through that uh, two out of, you know, win two out of three at home against somebody uh, in the wild card round. But uh, given the way that they've had the lead, lead in the division every day, except for one day in early well, mid-April, but early mm -hmm. because of the uh, lockout delay at the start of the season. They've had first place every day other than one. So let's uh, let, let's go into September feeling like they're going to win it. Uh, yeah. Because if you can't do that when, when you have the opportunity, when you have a good team, uh, when can right. you, you know? Right. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So you mentioned Jacob DeGrom a minute ago, and the Mets did push back his start a couple of days. Um, 
presumably because they wanted to split DeGrom and Scherzer in the rotation. They wanted to get Taiwan Walker back in there. And as Buck Walter said, the torque he gets to, quote, create what he creates sometimes needs some extra rest. Uh, of course, because the Mets are the Mets, some fans were very panicky about this uh, statement from Showalter. I th- maybe I'm a fool for taking him at face value, but it seems to me like this is a particularly reasonable thing to do for a guy coming off of injury for a team that hasn't had an off day until yesterday in a long time. Like this seems reasonable to me, if not uh, smart. And I hope that guys are getting a little bit extra rest going down the stretch so that when the playoffs do come, they can line up the rotation however they want to and, um, you know, just generally be at as close to 100% health as possible when it counts the most. Uh, Do you have any problem with this uh, move? No, no problem. Um, I will say the way they rolled it out, if you wanted to be suspicious of of what – the reality was they couldn't have done a better job of handing you uh, a case for that. Yes. But it's, it's fine. Um, yeah. As long as he actually makes a start tonight against the Rockies and everything goes smoothly. I mean, I, even since even last year when he had the weird string of vague injuries and, uh, even this year when he came back, I've not been one to be like, oh, I can't enjoy this start because what if he gets hurt? Because right. you could apply that to any sport and it, like any player. And sure, some guys are really durable and some get hurt more than others. But I can't watch a game and feel that way in the moment. That's just that's just not me. Um, I, I, there's a point where I just can I can do hopeless or irrational optimism because it's sports and you know the world doesn't end even though it might feel like it temporarily it doesn't end (laughs) if something like that happens so uh yeah i don't want to say we should give you know i said give the Mets players benefit of the doubt um in terms of what they can do the rest of the season. I, I don't think the Mets have quite earned as an organization the benefit of the doubt on injury or non-injury tweaks just yet. Uh, we're still way too new into this era because there was – Steve Cohen's era in year one still had some very, very typical Mets front office messes, if not some of the worst ones they've ever had. Um I, I can't remember a team that lost one GM and, and rightfully so to sexual harassment and another to a DUI in the same right. goddamn year. But um, where was I going with this? Just There's a benefit of the doubt in terms of injury reports and right, all that. Right. So I do think at this point as fans, it feels like Buck Showalter has earned a lot of our trust because seems like he's done a pretty damn good job and you know he he's entertaining and hasn't had any situations come up that have been if there's been a fire in the Mets clubhouse he's put it out and we don't even know about it right he's he's done that part of the job very well uh he's charming when he speaks he's that you know likable manager there are people who are you know buying t-shirts with him on them that's not something that has happened for a Mets manager in in 
quite a while. I mean, if athlete logos were around making awesome shirts when Bobby Valentine came out with the mustache on, I think those would have. Oh, absolutely. That, that yes. would have been a thing. But that that's the last time I can remember fans having um, that sort of feeling for a manager on, on this team. So uh, all of that said, you know, it's not Shell Walter who's he's not the doctor. He's not the trainer. And he's he's it probably involved, but maybe not making the call on what the actual plan is for DeGrom. Um, and yeah, so let's just hope he makes the start tonight. Everything goes normally. And if they need to give him extra days of rest uh, once in a while in September, um, games after October 5th are far more important. And whatever DeGrom and the team have come up with to aim for that, uh, that is the highest priority. So I'll, I'll take a little extra caution now, even if it causes panic. Yeah. I mean, it was just <laughs> the way that Showalter specifically answered the question. Right. He was like, Thursday, Friday. We'll see. The plan is Thursday. The plan is Thursday is like the most Mets speak sentence you can say, right? Like, when is this player going to be evaluated? The plan is Thursday. It just seems like. Just, just say something. Just say Thursday. Or I don't know. It just, it, right. it seemed very old Mets um, <laughs> no, in I, the I, moment. I, yeah, I get that. Uh, but I, but again, I think that the, I think that the, the description of why it was happening made total sense to me, and so I'm fine with that uh, until proven otherwise. In which case, I will riot. I will storm the gates. Um, I'm kidding. I won't do any of that. I'm a reasonable person. Uh, so last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here is just the uh, old-timers game this weekend. I will be there with my father-in-law. I, I realized I was looking for someone to take the ticket. And I was like, wait a minute. My father-in-law has been a Mets fan since 1962. Why aren't I asking him? And he was like, oh, God, I'd love to go to that. So I'm very excited to go to a game with my father-in-law and uh, you know, experience that through his eyes as well as my own. Um, this is something the Mets have not done in a very long time. The Yankees do it every year. Other teams do it occasionally, but the Mets have not done it in a while. Does this do anything for you as a fan, Chris? Or uh, are, are you happy to just, you know, see these guys make their random appearances throwing out a first pitch, but you don't need a whole day about them? Um, it, it does something for me. I'm, I'm 99% sure I can't make it there myself uh, to see it. But it's pretty cool. And the fact that it's not something that the Mets have done in a long time and they've gotten so many former Mets and um, – you know, whether they're playing in the game or not, I mean, going back to Frank Thomas, the first Frank Thomas. Yeah. Um, OG right? Frank Thomas. He was in his 90s, and um, I don't think he's going to be taking any hacks at the plate, but he's, he's <laughs> going to make an appearance there. And, like, that's that's pretty awesome. You know, I've, I've gotten to be there. Um, what was it? Well, in 2006, they did a, like, 20th anniversary of the 86, 86 yeah. Mets. I was at that game. And obviously, that's not the same thing as Old Timers Day, but uh, you know, been there for that one. Maybe some other things where they brought out Mets of the past, but it, it just feels like um, what a perfect time to do it. You, they retire Keith Hernandez's number uh, during a season when the team is good. They have this going on. I, I think there's a lot to embrace in the history of this team and. Obviously, we all hope that this season is the first of turning the corner and just being a competitive team all the time. And 
uh, you know, that we don't have those low points, but that there's still a lot of good teams from the past and, and likable players and good players who were on bad Mets teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I am definitely a little bit jealous of like the concept that you might see Bartolo Colon pitching to Daryl Strawberry. Like that's, yes, <laughs> that's a thing that could happen. Um, I was talking to a friend of the pod, Eric Steven of True Blue LA yesterday, and we were talking about old timers day. And he said, the greatest thing is going to, he said, I'm going to predict this happens for the Mets. And I hope, it, I hope he's right. He said, Bartolo's going to look so good that the Mets are going to use the four days they're going to have after that game before the, you need to have someone sign for the postseason. <laughs> they're going to sign Bartolo to a deal and he's going to be their long man out of the bullpen. Hey, if it goes that way, I'm along for the ride for that. For sure. Yeah, right. I mean, obviously, it's not going to happen. But it was just, he was just kidding around. But it's you know, but I, I think Bartolo is still going to be able to pitch because he's Bartolo. Um, yeah, no, I mean, there, there's there's a chance he could do some pretty pretty good things uh, against some of these guys. You know, I, I think. Um, no offense to Ronnie, who who uh, he's got a few years on him, but yep. Bartolo, I feel like. Hasn't really stopped. I mean, we saw pitching workout videos from this spring, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So, you know that that should be a lot of fun. But I, you know, if anything changes and I end up there, I, I'd be super excited for it too. Uh, but for everyone who is going, I think you're going to get to enjoy uh, a pretty cool Mets fan day. Yeah, it's something that we haven't. It's just nice to have a, a, an ownership group in place that doesn't seem to be embarrassed by the Mets past, which it seemed at times it felt like the Wilpons, despite owning the Mets for a very long time, just felt like they were not proud of the team's history and didn't really push, you know, didn't really push the, uh, the agenda of honoring the past and Cohen seems very keen on that. So good for him. It's fantastic. I can't wait. I'm very excited. I, I can't wait to report back next week to the pod listeners about how cool it was. Well, Chris, it's that time. What is your music pick for this week? So stop me. If you've heard this before, I'm re recommending a band out of Australia. <laughs> uh, this one has such a good band name that I don't know how I haven't recommended it. Just, based on that. Uh, but they're a band that we've seen at Desert Days at least once. I believe they're going to be there again this year. Um, they did a levitation session, which longtime listeners of this uh, this show know. Uh, it's right up my alley. Uh, but the band is Psychedelic Porn Crumpets, and the album is High Visceral Part 1. came out in 2016. Uh, They've put out several records over the last few years. They're, they're not quite King Gizzard in terms of how prolific they are. But, um, yeah, they're, they're a fun band. And uh, this record, both when I saw them live for the first time and just in sort of coming across their music on whatever streaming platform, probably Spotify at the time, um, the, opener, uh, the opener on the album is called Cornflake. And that's definitely one of their catchiest songs. Uh, and and that, that got me hooked. So I've listened to them a bit more this summer than any any other 
recent year. And uh, yeah, I will I will go with the album that got me interested in, in the band. Uh, Cornflake's a good song name. There's also a track on here uh, called Found God in a Tomato. <laughs> um, they've definitely got away with words and <laughs> and and they play a pretty uh a pretty good brand of rock and roll and uh and yeah i i'm, I'm excited to get to see some of that again in in person soon uh, it's been a while so high visceral part one by the psychedelic porn crumpets very cool uh, I, I like i like all the names you mentioned from the name of the band to uh the names of the song so i am excited to check this band out. i'm not familiar with them at all but it is not surprising for me to be unfamiliar with an australian band you recommend and then i check them out and find them to be delightful so all right i'm just going to check this out <laughs> as well uh so i am uh i'm going to recommend uh, a record that i don't hear talked about a lot it's an older record i don't hear talked about a lot which is crazy to me based on how good it is and based on the reputation of the person who made it. But uh, I was in a record store yesterday and I just actually picked up a copy on vinyl for uh, for 10 bucks. It was a nice copy. And that is Prince's Around the World in a Day. So for those that um, that are sort of maybe not f- super familiar with, with Prince's discography, this is directly after Purple Rain, which was a huge hit and a film hit and it just was prince is on top of the world at this point and this album is very much like a psychedelic pop record as opposed to a sort of funkier dance i mean there is still some you know i, I don't think prince can make a record that isn't funky in some way but like uh it's definitely the most i would say maybe the most beatlesy record he ever did that that's really a lazy description i hate when people just call something Beatlesy because it has a guitar on it or something. Um, but this, uh, specifically the tracks like uh, Raspberry Beret and Pop Life are just, they are really straightforward sort of pop rock songs. But the the more you dig into the album, the more there's a lot of psychedelia in here. And he does some really cool things combining psychedelia with, um, I would say like maybe... Uh, Funk is maybe overstating it a, a little bit, but maybe like some soul, some R&B, some psychedelic soul or psychedelic R&B would be a nice descriptor for it. And um, you know, I just think that Prince in the 80s was as bulletproof as an artist can get in terms of just doing interesting things. Everything might not land specifically for you, um, but I don't see how you can look at what Prince was doing and not just be odd at, at how audacious and, uh, you know, just, I don't want to use the word revolutionary because his band was called the revolution and that's lame, but you know, just how, how far he was pushing things in all these different directions. And then from one album to the next would do something, you know, totally different. Like the, the single that came out after this was Kiss, which is this like just pure dance track that would not necessarily have fit on this record at all. Uh, he was just able to do so many different things in so many different uh, in so many different styles and pull them all off with a plum and without sound like you know, sometimes a band will will do a will do a song and 
it just sounds like them pretending to be somebody else. Prince never sounds like he's pretending to be somebody else. He just sounds like an evolution of Prince, if that makes sense. And so this is one of my favorite Prince records. And I said, it's one I don't think you're talked about enough. So everybody go listen to Around the World in a Day by Prince. And uh, yeah, that does it for this week's Amazing Avenue audio of the show. Thank you all so much for listening. We truly, truly appreciate it. Please go to AmazingAvenue.com for more podcasts, more news analysis, game recaps, game threads where you can chat with other Mets fans. All that is found at AmazingAvenue.com. You can also find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever you find podcasts, you can find us. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Those things help more folks find out about the show. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Ington And until next time, and especially with the old timers, let's go Mets.